The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Thursday Rotowire MLB Industry Podcast. If I don't look like Jeff Erickson, it's because I'm not. This is Todd Zolder here, pinch hitting. Jeff is visiting some family. Uh, I guess he went to a game, a uh, uh, playoff game. Saw some stuff on Twitter. Good for Jeff. So uh, I'm here with someone you may recognize. Recognize a friend and colleague, Ron Chandler. It's actually kind of doubly glad to be talking to you today because it means you made it through the, at least, you know, through the storm, this one anyway, unscathed. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, luckily, we're on the east coast of Florida, so uh, we didn't get hit with the brunt of it. We had a bunch of wind probably, well, we were expecting about 50 mile an hour winds with the uh, the storm kind of went a little bit further south. So we had more like 60, 65 mile an hour winds. But um, we've been through stuff that like that before and a few down branches. But for the most part, uh, no injuries, no damages. Uh, we're good to go here. Excellent. You know, thinking good thoughts to those that maybe weren't so lucky. Right. And there's still some people good about to get hit with some rain, et cetera, coming up. So, I mean, I mean you know, in New England, we don't deal with, you know, hunkering down for an occasional blizzard, dealing with some unruly Red Sox fans. Well, that's not nothing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, I don't have alligators or snakes or that shark that always seems to show up during yeah. these tropical storms. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I mean, you know, it hasn't been the greatest summer for me talking, you know, my, my Red Sox roots, but. Yeah. The other hand, you can tell by the by your by your outfit that it's been all right for Mets fans. It has been so much fun. I haven't had this much fun being a Mets fan in who knows how long. It's uh, uh, you know this is like the first time that uh, you know ownership has taken an interest in the team and is investing in the team and uh, for the long term, not just for uh, patchwork and band aids and stuff. And uh, it's just been so much fun riding this out. Yeah, of course, you know, nowadays you get to watch nearly every single game unless it's one of those silly streaming channels, but that's a that's a podcast for another day. You also you you live near an affiliate that's had a pretty good season too. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in Port St. Lucie, so the uh the low class A uh St. Lucie Mets so won the Florida State League Championship uh last week, which was uh, fun to watch and go to and an experience with the, the local team here. So uh, yeah, all in all, it's, it's been a great, a great year to be a, a Mets fan. Yeah. I, um, you know, from a you know fantasy point of view, watching, watching the team, I got burned 
with Eduardo Escobar. I've always been, I'm a fan of the old guys. We know that, mm-hmm. you know, release him at the end of August because he's losing playing time to Brett Beatty. And, and now he's on player. I think, I think player of the month will probably go to one of two other, other people unless mm-hmm. they both get it. But yeah. even so the point being Escobar uh, has really turned it around, but you mentioned the minor league playoffs. That means playoffs are over or the minor league season's over very, very close to, and, Time to start. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Time to start working on those MLEs and soon enough park factors. But oh yeah, oh yeah, you've long since passed the keys to that engine to to Ray Murphy at HQ. But you yeah. still have to think about these. You still have to think about. I know your Babs. You have a different approach, but we have a draft. Knock on. I say knock on wood. I've had to say that for a few years. Not this year. We have a draft and not XFL auction. What right. over a month? Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 fast approaching, and we're both going to have to make some decisions. It's a keeper league, so obviously that affects. But based on some new rules, based on some new MLB rules, mm-hmm. and there will be there'll be a lot of research posted in the next several months about how it's going to affect things. But not by the time either of us put our first bid out in five weeks. So, have you thought much? about how you're going to adjust your your plan or even player evaluations for the XFL? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, it's hard to, to draw any firm conclusions based upon speculating what the, these new rules might mean next year. I mean, we, we talk about how uh, maybe there'll be an increase in stolen bases. Uh, maybe certain types of pitches will be more affected by the lack of the shift. Um, you know, I, for me personally, you know, the one – a play, the one player on my team that I, I'm going to have a harder time deciding whether to keep or not, oddly enough, is Max Freed. Because in the back of my mind, I think that with the lack of shifting, ground ball pitchers might be more prone to giving up more hits. And uh, Freed doesn't strike out a lot of guys. He's more of a ground ball guy. And at the, the keeper price I'd have him in, which would be $21, $21, I don't know. Now it's more of a decision, you know, be- before the, the rules were finalized, I was thinking I'm definitely free. It'll be a keeper of mine. Now I have to think about it a little bit more. Yeah. that I, I'm, I'm going to jump right up to what I was going to talk about third, as far as rules, but with, with, with freed, he may be facing a easier aggregate of opposing batters. We don't know for sure. Cause we don't know how things play out and mm-hmm. off season trades, but at least on paper, the AL and the NL East of the toughest divisions in the most hooter-friendly parks. So there's a chance that his opposing, the opposing aggregate of hitters is a little softer. Is that, have you thought about that? Is that going to be, to me, I think this is, I don't, I can't say how it's going to play out, but, I'll, you know, spoiler, this is the thing I think is the biggest factor in the, in, in 2023 uh, evaluations is how the pitching is going to change in a few divisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Again, it's hard to play out, and I typically don't try to to, to yeah. draw conclusions on that stuff until after all the free agents are signed and the trades are made, because so much is going to happen between now and and you know, opening of spring camps that um, it may change everything we think about these divisions. So, uh, especially for a draft that's going to occur the first weekend in November, um, I don't think I'm going to make too major change in my evaluations. Uh, and and hopefully fix any mistakes when we do our reserve draft in March. Yeah. Before we go on, I need to thank our friends from Sorare. 
for uh, for sponsoring the uh, this podcast for us. We'll talk a little bit more about them in a bit. But yeah, I kind of alluded to it. Um, the shift. I think there's going to be a ton of articles, both in general and in specific players. This guy's going to hindered by it. This guy's going to be helped by it. I uh, I'm not. You know, maybe people are looking for me for the names. They're not going to get them. Yeah. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think. I don't think it's going to be as big of a difference. I think in the overall it will, but I don't think we're going to be able to pinpoint players. And if we can, you know, so much variance occurs on batted balls that a good or bad effect is going to be masked anyway. It could be anyway. We could be misreading the data, uh, you know, due to variance. It's true. And, you know, as, as much as we're, we're looking at the, the rule change with the shift as being uh, sort of a, a, a very fixed uh, positioning of the fielders, I mean, that shortstop can be standing right next to second base. That right fielder could be coming in a little bit. You know, the effect, net effect might not be all that big. Exactly. Um, that's, that's I wrote about it for ESPN this past week. Um, people are going to make these assumptions based upon where they think fielders would be, what they think the batter's approach will be, and what they think the pitcher's approach will be. Those aren't going to be the same as they were this year. We don't, or at least we don't know that. Mm-hmm. So if I can find somebody who is sure that somebody is going to hit 20 higher points on their batting average and I have them on my team in a keeper league, they can, have, you know, I'll, I'll find, I'll find grounds to, you know, to deal them and yeah. vice versa. Sure. Um, you know, absolutely. You know, so I, I, I think that there's going to be a way that, that it's going to be a big, a way to get a little bit of a scoop early, put a player out there, put, put a, le- I don't want to say Joey Gallo because he's kind of an extreme, put a lefty pull hitter out for trade and see what kind of offers you get. See if people mm-hmm. are taking this to the extreme. Um, something you can do in keeper leagues. But the uh, the pitch clock, you kind of alluded to stolen bases. You Have you seen – it wasn't at the level you were at, right, the games you saw? They didn't use oh, the pitch we, clock? We had the pitch, we had the pitch oh, clock. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you notice a difference? I mean, it was – <laughs> the difference was funny. I have to tell you a quick story. My uh, my wife works the ticket booth at the stadium at St. Lucie. And what would normally happen is I'd go to a game, probably come in maybe to second or third inning um, because I was busy, I was working, whatnot. And I'd say to her, okay, when you're done working, come on up and we'll have a beer together. So she'd usually get up there around the fifth or sixth inning and we'd have a beer and watch the, the rest of the game. Since they instituted the pitch clock, by time she gets off of, of work, it's already the eighth inning, and they've already closed the bars. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> oh well, you know, it's it's uh, well, you have have the so you switch to wine at home. Yeah, that's not yeah, that's not, no. not as big of a deal. But, but no, that's games, it, yeah, that's funny. The games are going quicker, yes, for sure. I mean, we've seen it in the AFL, and of course, these pitchers are more accustomed to it. Um, they, you know, it may have a difference. The the bases, eh, I don't know that that's going to be. Yeah all that much of a difference, but I mean, it's only going to happen a few times and I'm not going to change any fantasy rankings, but I think there's going to be some cat and mouse and it's going to be more fun than anything. A mm-hmm. pitcher throws over twice. So the third time you can pick him off. He's going to yeah. be out, Yeah. but if he's not out, it's a balk. So now the batter, I, how big of a lead can I get? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he, if he has to get me, but I can't go too much, but you know, I think, you know, then it's the pitcher has to think, do I have a better chance of picking him off? Or does my catcher have a better chance of, of catching him stealing? So, I mean, it might happen five times all year. But I think that's going to be a fun cat and mouse. Um, that's that's fun, yeah. You know, I, who knows if I'll even be happy to catch those games. But it's an interesting mm-hmm. an interesting dynamic. So, um, looking forward looking forward to the XFL. In a, you know, 
first time since when that we've been live? It's been at least two years that we did it remote. Yeah, the last year we did it live was 2019. Yeah, and it's it's uh, yeah. you know, remotes all right, you know, remote gets the job done, but mm-hmm. there's nothing, especially this XFL group. Uh, well, any group, you know, any group of friends gets together. It's 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 great. So we're looking forward to that. But this um, this XFL auction comes on the heels. Oh, uh, I don't want to call it heated. We've had heated exchanges in the past. Oh, yeah. Rules. But th- I think this is a little bit calmer. Mm-hmm. But we, we discussed a few rules. So first, before we get you know, into the specifics, you, you know, I, I may be the hands, but you, you know, you're the brains of this league. And, you know, how would you sort of recommend for commissioners and SWATs to, you know, open the floor for rules discussions, but not let it get too out of hand. Yeah. Well, with this group, we've, we've had that on occasion, as, as you've mentioned, it's, you know, I've, I've always tried to run my leagues uh, through a democratic process. I mean, going way back to when Tout Wars was first started and we were trying to uh, craft a constitution, everything was put up to a vote and I've done the same thing with the XFL. Um, so, uh, you know, usually during the summer, I, I put out a call for any potential rule changes and, uh, I don't try to vet them or anything. I put them all out for a vote and, uh, you know, the 15 guys get to uh, discuss. Uh, and, and then I just watch, I, I kind of sit back usually for the most part and see where the discussion is going. If it reaches a point where either we're starting to get redundancies of arguments or, uh, things are getting a little heated, I'll, I'll, typically pull it back and say, okay, let's, let's put this up for another vote or, or uh, let's kind of make a decision or pass or table it, which I've, which we did this year with one of the rules we've tabled. Um, So it's just a matter of, of keeping things civil. Uh, But I found it a really good way to, to, uh, to, uh, to craft rules and and have uh, everybody have a say in it. Right. I think having done it for so many years and being so used to this group, it helps, but I'm in leagues where, you know, there's not even, they're not even that, you don't even have the opportunity to argue rules. And I'm in one league that there's, we're still arguing about a rules change for a league three years ago. So the, they just know, they never know when to stop. They never know when to, you know, call it for a vote. So that, that's, that, you know, a little bit of hyperbole there, but I think you found it, you know, a, a good way to, uh, and I like one of the things I like and kind of learned is uh, if you need to, you know, if we're, kind of stuck or other ideas have come up on a specific vote, you'll stop it and you'll kind of, ha- you'll adjust the vote. Okay. Let's now vote on this. Mm-hmm. And once we know this, we can steer it back to this, you know, and, and get right. to the, and land on the ultimate answer. And that's something I, you know, I think it comes from experience, but it's something people should, should consider. Yeah. I mean, I think on, on this year with the, uh, the specific item up for vote was whether or not we should allow any prep materials at the draft table, which historically for uh, the XFL uh, from day one, basically I like to call it, we draft naked. All we have at the draft table is just a set of depth charts. And um, perhaps pers- for, for personal reasons and whatnot, I know, you know we've been doing this now for 20 years uh, that, my memory isn't the same. It was back in 2002 and can remember, you know, I used to be able to recite all 25 man rosters off the top of my head. And that those days are long gone. <laughs> um, but to sit down at the table without having some idea of, of the players targeting, this has gotten really hard. So I thought, well, maybe we should allow some type of markings on this, these depth charts. And uh, so I put it out just to see what the vote was. 
And we started getting into the weeds as to what types of markings on the depth charts. So I uh, pulled it back and said, okay, let's just do a yes, no markings or no markings. If we decide we're going to do markings, then we can figure out what types of markings will be advisable or permissible. And, and that's how we proceeded with that. Right. So to, I know Jeff and I, we talk about the league a lot, but for those that don't know, it's a hybrid keeper dynasty league. So there are some very good players still available. And then in the last minor leaguer that you would expect, he's gone. I mean, we draft high schoolers in this league. So it's a, it's a nice hybrid. <laughs> And um, what we the, anybody who appeared in the MLB or end of the season on an in, 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 in an organization is eligible. So we know the pool. But and as Ron suggested, all we do is we have the depth charts of each. And if a player's been drafted or ca- a player's been kept, it is a strike through. So everybody knows the pool going in because everybody at least could look up who played. And it's been, you know, I. I you know, I, I got some things I jot down as soon as I get the as soon as I get the lists. Um, I think because we can do some markings, I will probably take advantage, but I might have a little bit of an advantage because I make the lists and it's they're kind of fresh. And you know, I I've always felt guilty about I know what they are, but on the other hand, I've always asked anybody in the league who wants to look at them and find mistakes to do so. So mm-hmm. everybody's had access right from day one. Now, not everybody's taken advantage. <laughs> So I kind of that that guilt has kind of been appeased a bit, but I can see where we should allow limited limited markings. And I try on my end, if everybody's marking multiple eligibility players, I said, you know what, I can take care of that. Yeah, I just let's just have a list of multiple yeah. eligibility players. That let's makes not, sense. Yeah. yeah, let's not make let's not have that to be a uh, you know if that's what they're doing. I can't mark everybody who you know can't mark your targets. I can't mark the guys that someone though thinks is going to be a better Babbitt, but. Anyway, so it, it it's worked out well. The you know worked worked out well. What were some of the other what were the other rules that we talked about? Um, well, the one that we tabled was uh, how to how to determine uh, rookie eligibility, farm okay, eligibility. Right. right. So the existing rule was that uh, once a, a batter exceeded fifty at bats or a pitcher exceeded twenty innings pitched, they had lo- lose their farm eligibility. And the proposal was to increase those benchmarks to hundred at bats and forty innings pitched. And the vote came down to a 50-50 split. And there were very strong arguments on both sides. Um, and it was the type of thing that, given that we were near the end of the season, we would have to start making our keeper decisions now. And, and the rule wouldn't take effect till 2023 anyway. Um, I decided to table it. And we'll, we'll probably bring it up again over the winter and try to figure out what makes, what makes most sense. But, uh, yeah, a lot of strong opinions on that one. Right, and the, the, it may seem, you know, just a few of bats here, but I think the place that it manifests most is in your actual keeper list, that they are, we separated between people that are in the auction because they've exceeded the limits and those you can freeze as a farm player, and we you're allowed 15 combined, right? There's not, well, 10 of the, you know, five of the, it's 15 combined. So some of us over the years have had to uh, use an auction spot on someone who, Maybe you not maybe, but did use up their farm eligibility, but maybe weren't going to be a competitor uh, on your on your team. You know your active roster the following year, but you know in two or three years, because the acceleration is so so you know plus three dollars. You know in three years this guy's going to be good, but maybe not this year. Two years, so I think that's the one of the the main repercussion, and that that I think is important because people have built 
their teams using the rule that's in place. And it does alter the ability to restock, if you will. Um, And I think that was one of some of the arguments where we're under this particular culture to change the rule, changes the culture. And it, you know, I know that you try to make, you try to vote on a rule that helps your team, helps the league, not your team. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it was difficult in this case because, you know, this is such a, you know, it, it affected rosters so much that I think, and I, even though I think it's one and the same, helping the rule and helping the team, voting to not increase the limits kind of helped my team. And I still think it's a little bit better for the league, but I, I you know, that seems like a, a lame argument, you know, but. It's, you know, it's hard because there's always a, an inherent bias in, in, yeah. in, deciding on these rules and had this had we decided last year to increase the limit to uh 100 at bats and 40 innings pitch that would have had a huge effect on my keeper decisions for this year because nearly every one of my farm players except one or two have have between 50 and 100 at bats this year so um i'm gonna have a whole bunch of second year players on my active roster who Normally, I would have preferred to keep in my farm system because it's either keep them or drop them when you only have 15 spots to work with. So it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a consideration. Yeah, and it's the it's the opportunity cost of not being able to put someone in that spot, mm-hmm. even if it's a one dollar flyer. To me, that that's what you know. I how many, especially in this league, it's where you know at the end, I uh, wish I had a spot for him. Which only three bucks, man. I pay yeah. eight. As yeah. an as any keeper league, but so I think that think mm-hmm. I think tabling it's the wise idea because I think happened is I think some of these arguments came up after people made their decision, and it's kind of best if they now know what to think about and rethink it, and we'll talk about it again. Plus, Next there's a, a bunch of we've had a little turnover lately, mm-hmm. so I, I think uh, I think it's also good to let some of the one and you know freshmen and sophomores live the league a year or two before they make a decision. Yeah, it's true. So. So anyway, I think I think the, the, the right call uh, was made at that point. But um, uh, what was I? Not, uh, that's what I was going to do is uh, rethink our th- re- rethink, rethink our friends from Solaire. Uh, Solaire is an MLB NFT based free to play baseball game played with officially licensed Major League Baseball cards. Sign up today at Solaire.com slash MLB and you'll receive 13 common cards to start your collection. Build seven-player lineups from cards in your collection and play weekly competitions with scoring based on real-life player performance. Compete for rewards with other fans around the world. For more information on gameplay and to sign up, visit sorare.com MLB. There's no better time to join now than now ahead of our postseason gameplay. Um, on a you know gratuitous note, I'm writing a column for... Rotowire on Solaire. I've been uh, playing. I'm, it's not so much Ozola's getting into NFTs and stuff. It's the the crux of the game is knowing baseball is finding players that you think are going to do better. So that's that's my approach. So I know there's people that are like, oh, not NFTs, um, but I, I'm playing it from the baseball point of view, and it's it's kind of fun. Well, what Solaire should do from a marketing perspective is uh, instead of playing one of their games with uh, cards, they should get the actual players to come and, and uh, yeah, you know, it should, should be, get a couple of players and actually involved. Yeah. Who's to say, who's to say they won't. Uh, and yeah. apparently 
they're a nation. I mean, I, I people on Twitter hooking up with me, and I guess there's it's big in soccer, um, mm-hmm. which I, I you know was a little bit ahead behind my time as far as that before it grew in popularity in the states. I know Jeff's into soccer. Some other uh, I just it's not never been one of my things, but I guess it's it's big in soccer as well. But uh, but anyway, um, we talked talked to you about you know your your enjoyment this summer about following the Mets and following mm-hmm. the minor league teams and a little bit about the XFL, but you decided to take the year off from labor and tout. We don't, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need to get into this. So, you know, you know, why, why, why? Um, but I, you know, it's, it's having done this for so long. It's like, I would miss this. What have you, what have you missed about it? What have you not missed about it? How has the, how has the summer been? not being involved in two of these leagues that you've been involved in for what, 20 years. Yeah. Well, um, I actually would like to talk about the why, 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 because All right. that, okay. yeah, cause that, that really is the reason, um, that, that answers your question basically. And, uh, after I won the labor, uh, mixed league in 20, 2021. Yeah. Last, last year, uh, after I won that, I, just really had uh, a long time deciding whether I wanted to keep doing it. And um, in the end, I decided I wanted to, to leave uh, both labor and tout wars. And, and there were a couple of reasons. And uh, it starts actually with um, our good friend, um, Laura Michaels, who uh, said to me once, uh, uh, several years back, a few years before he passed, he was having some major health problems. And I, I, I asked him, I, I said, Laura, you know, with everything that you're doing, competing in these high level leagues and writing every day and playing your band and all that stuff, how long do you continue to keep on doing this? And he said to me, he says, well, until it's not fun anymore, um, which really struck home with me. And, you know, I think back to my first fantasy league back in the, uh, 1984, and it's always, I've always done this for fun. I've always done this for, for you know, the intellectual challenge and the camaraderie, but at, at its core, it's always been for fun. And um, when I joined Labor and Tout Wars, uh, again, it was it was for fun, and also the community that we were building, which was really important to me too. Uh, but over the years, uh, I kind of think things have changed a little bit for me. the The explosive growth of the industry has had an impact on, on maintaining the the intimate, close knit nature of what these leagues used to be, and. Um, and, you know, that was inevitable, you know, with growth that that happens. And then the, pande- the pandemic just kind of put a stake through the whole thing, uh, uh, through my whole enjoyment. Uh, online drafts took away a lot of the connection I felt to the other folks in my leagues. And, and it got to the point where I was in town and labor with a lot of these writers who I just did not know. And had we been in a room together, I would have gotten to know them. We would have, you know, shared a beer together, had a meal, whatnot. And um, and even with Zoom, it just it just wasn't the same. But without that connection, it it just wasn't fun for me. Um, it, it lost a lot of that. So you know, I don't play in online leagues typically because I don't like playing against a bunch of strangers. And it, it almost had gotten to that point. That I was feeling that way. So you know, I've always seen fantasy as a social game, and um, to be honest, it, it just wasn't fun for me anymore participating in talent and labor. Now, coming back, going lot, you know, being able to draft in a room together, you know, next year, yeah, you know, I've 
kept the door open. I hope I'll come back. Um, um, but then there's a, a second element that played into this whole decision. And that's the fact that at this stage in my life now, I enjoy traveling a lot. And I don't want my success in these leagues to hinge on being able to get my fab bids in on time mm -hmm. each week. You know, this summer I knew I had a trip coming up to Alaska and right. um, I didn't want to be hiking Denali and worrying whether, you know, one of my players was, was, had gotten hurt. So, um, so I, I don't know. I, it's might lead me eventually back to maybe the draft and hold league or, um, you know, play a bunch of, uh, uh, what you call it? Um, baseball, baseball, or even DFS. You know, it's I'll probably still I'll do that. But right now, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next year. I, you know, I it's that's 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 kind of what I missed and what you know I hope to get back. But that's that's really what it all came down to. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, I can relate to you know a lot of those areas in that you know the it's like you know playing for fun. Yes, that is what I'm into the most, but I'm still this is still how I make my living and a lot of my personal clientele and rotowire are in the high stakes arena. So, in order to have any kind of credibility, I had a, I got to play in it. Now there was a time where I I had high stakes arena entry money, and I did all right. I didn't do great. I did all right. Held my own. But now I, I you know I, I I'm a, I'm only able to dabble now. But you know, and, and you kind of mentioned the 
influx of new people in the industry, there's a lot of these people that are playing high stakes. So I, I, there was a time where, I, you know, I was kind of the exception, not the rule as far as participants. So it's kind of, it is, it, it is kind of a, a conundrum and you know, further. I mean, it's something I think you can relate to too, is the more I know about projections, mm-hmm. the less I understand that they're, the less they understand their relevancy. But yet that's what the high stakes people yeah. want from me. We want, right, where, where are your rankings, yeah. Ola? You know, it's, yeah. they, they want, they want my rest of season projections on September 1st. Uh, what? That's just yeah. uh, talk about a waste of time. So I have to, I have had to find that, um, that, that connection. Um, you may not be as plugged in, but one, you know, to this sort of thing, but one thing I've kind of noticed, you talked about the, the, uh, the pandemic. I think there was a huge influx of people coming into the industry, providing content because they had all this time yeah. and yeah. consumers had all this time to consume it. And I think we're finding that there's a lot of people that are you know, now that their jobs are back in full force, and maybe they had 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 a kid over the over the pandemic. That there's a lot of people now dropping out of the industry too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I, you know, and I and I, th- I respect I respect those folks for for doing this sort of for, you know for doing that. But you know, from my end, with all these new people in, it's tougher and tougher to to come up with something unique. That uh, darn it, you know. Zim wrote about you know, Jeff Zimmerman already wrote about this. Spore already yeah. did this. Yeah, you know, some some good people. It's getting tough to, to do to do that sort of thing. But you you're still providing content. You're still mm-hmm. doing your babs, yep. and that I think is in its own lane. I you know I I think people may you know pretend they've come up with something new, and I'm going to go on you know on on you know general looking at a player, but it's it's babs. So uh, is babs coming back? Is she coming back for 2023? Oh, sure. Yeah, she'll be back. Um, not quite sure what form. Pro- you know, most likely, they'll be running the same as we did last year. I don't anticipate a lot of changes. Uh, we added some new features last year that that uh, went really well. Uh, more of a quantification of risk, which uh, our readers tended to like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the whole idea of um, building a roster as, as a balance sheet of, of assets and liabilities and being able to evaluate each player not only – uh, as what he brings to the table, but uh, uh, the risk that he also brings in and having a budget for that risk when building your roster is, is something that I think a lot of people understand. Uh, and and also, like you said, the, the fact that projections aren't the be-all and end-all and Babs is all about, uh, you know, just looking at underlying skills and not trying to attach a number to it. So, um uh, I, I think that's that's there's a strong argument for evaluating players that way and not being tied to uh, to specific rankings. Um, and you know, research we've shown that the the ADPs are historically inaccurate when they're trying to actually project what players are going to do. So uh, I think perhaps more and more people start gravitating towards a system that uh, doesn't put as much of a, an emphasis on on specific rankings, but ranking skills rather than ranking players. Yeah, I, exactly. I've done looking at ADPs, and I need to repeat this, but I found that a so-called value pick, more often than not, is not a value pick. Mm-hmm. In a reach, more often than not, <laughs> works out. Yeah. So you know, it's um. Yeah. You know, and I'm one of the things I'm gonna be. I'm, you know, I mentioned I play in a lot of leagues. I know one of the things I don't do as well as others is grind in season, but I, I, I. You know, I, I win it. I, I'm undefeated. I've won every single draft I've ever been in. <laughs> How 
Haven't we all? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I may have won whatever five percent of the leagues, probably even fewer than that. But you know, I've never lost a draft. I need to do some work on on why, and you know, still plan on plan on doing that sort of thing. But um, we come, you know, we, we alluded to the the new blood in the industry. So, you know, some not you know, it's not all good. There's still, you know, it, it just you know, quantity doesn't always equal quality. But I think we, we I'll, I'll say it. I I saw. I was very excited about the new people coming to First Pitch Arizona last year, both in terms of speakers and uh, sort of younger audience. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that transcends. I don't know if Ray and, and Ray and, and Brent, you saw the same thing, but from where I was sitting, I I I think the industry is in a good place. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and um, there are going to be a ton of these. There's folks uh, back in Arizona in, in a few weeks, First Pitch Arizona. And, um, you know, in fact, I was just uh, on a call with the Ray and Brent earlier today talking about the programming for the conference. And as gets tougher and tougher every year is, is trying to find opportunities for everybody who wants to, to participate and speak. And so it's, you know, panel discussions. You can get three or four people on a panel. Uh, breakouts. There are just so many hours in the day to schedule breakouts. So, you know, you, you look for maybe uh, putting together a, a mock draft of some sort so people could participate. But there are so many people now who are doing really good work in the industry. You want to uh, give them an opportunity to show their voice in, in a venue like First Pitch Arizona, which is a, it's a great um, it, it's a great event that allows people to uh, really show what they have. Yeah, I um what I've been speaking for years, 15, 20, whatever it might be, not quite 20. And I mean, I used to wait and go, well, please put me on the pitchers panel. Please put me on the hitters panel. Uh, you know, those are the, that's, you know, that's, that's the prestigious panels now. I, and I hope that Brent and Ray and you kind of took me up on it and said, you know what, I've been doing this a while now. Let, let someone else get the spotlight. You know, I, I'll moderate or I'll run, you know, I'll do something in the background. I don't, you know, I don't need the flashlight, the flashlight, the spotlight anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you can't, you know, you still need people, you know, veterans on each panel as a balance. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I'd like to let's get some of these new uh, let's get some of these new new people that know their stuff on some of the premier panels. I think that would it'd be a great, great for both them and, and the content in general. This um, this year is a little different. We have a home run derby to go to. Mm. <laughs> um, I love the games, you know, and I'm not being, I'm not going to come down before as, as early as I normally, I can't stay as late as I normally do. So I'm going to miss going to the, going to the games, but I can, I can, I can see hanging out at a, I think hanging out at a home run derby is going to be pretty fun. Yeah. It's the first time they're doing it this year. Yeah. Uh, the conference is November 3rd through 6th. Um, yeah registrations are open at baseballhq.com but um yeah uh they they've always had the uh the fall stars game uh which they're moving to sunday night this year uh, uh basically because of the world series now right. that the season was all shifted the world series game seven would be that saturday so they don't even know right now what time the home run derby is going to start because it depends upon when the the uh World Series Game 7 would start, presumably. So uh, a lot of stuff still up in the air, and that affects the scheduling for the program for the conference, too. We've been juggling balls now for weeks. Um, but, yeah, it's I'm, I'm going to be very curious which players participate in the home run yeah. because that'll be a key to who we should be looking at, you know, for next year. 
I, yeah, I talked about my ESPN article. I kind of included that. I said, you don't, we don't care who wins the home run derby, but pay attention. You want to, yeah. it's a, it's a great chance to get to know who you're going to be drafting on your keeper lists in, in, in dynasty formats as well. Get a head Absolutely. start. I mean, you know, when I alluded to it, and I tell the story all the time was with, you know, Jason Gray first game. I don't know if the first time I met him was close to it. We were in Scottsdale stadium and I, you know, not everybody's going to know about this, but there's a berm in left field and a set of trees. And we're kind of just talking and some guy hit a ball over those trees. Um, 700 home runs later, he's about to retire. Yeah. So, you know, there were how many people in that conference? 80, 90. So Something 80 or like 90 that. of us had had him had Albert Pujols on our on our draft list that year. You know, uh, three three million other people didn't, you know. So yeah, it was who was that third baseman on the Cardinals? And how yeah. do you pronounce his name? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pujols? You know, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> so yeah, no, but uh, you know, we've gone on to see other players as well, but yeah. um you talked about fostering the community earlier, part of what made me, I think that, you know, we've talked about this. I mean, you know, first pitch is one of the elements that has, that has made, you know, has done this, I think anyway. And it's, I'm kind of glad that uh, football, our friend Bob Long uh, has, has, is, is kind of mimicking these sort of things over the summer, Canton Hall of Fame. But I think it's such a great model that um, it's in, you know baseball being the first. It's kind of it's nice to be ahead of ahead of football for a change. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it, the the model that it's fostered, and we're talking a, a live tout wars coming up. We haven't yeah. drafted live mm-hmm. in tout wars for again the same number of years as uh, yeah. 20, last one was twenty nineteen as well. We canceled yeah, was, we canceled yeah, actually, a week before the live draft in twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, and this year to be fair, <laughs> it had more to do with the lockout. Than the mm-hmm. pandemic, right? Um, but you know, hopefully, we can get back to to drafting live because it is it is to me again more about the camaraderie, and I know that you know the high stakes. We pair up with the high stakes community when we go to Tatwise. A lot of there's a lot of crossover, but it, it still it still should be about yeah. the uh, about the fun yeah. anyway. So, um, being you know, it's been fun, been fun talking to you, Ron. Uh, yeah, this get, has been great. Yeah, um, I don't know if you've got get anything else on your mind you'd like to you'd like to share. We try to keep these to around 40, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to our friend Patrick David, who likes to put four hour podcasts out there. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm no, I'm I'm no PD. I'm sorry, he, uh, oh. he Mister Smooth. I'm no I'm no Patrick. No, he's he's, see, he's good for sure. But uh, oh, yeah. those podcasts are very long. <laughs> I do a lot of fast forwarding. I hate to say it, but uh, yeah. Um, other than what we've talked about, I probably just want to mention that uh, I'm in the home stretch now of writing a book. Uh, that's not the baseball forecaster. It's uh, actually a, a historical memoir, uh, tentatively entitled "Fantasy Expert," which uh, tracks the history of uh, the fantasy baseball industry from its beginnings through uh, the early to mid two thousands, uh, focusing specifically on the, the the people who were its first set of experts. Uh, we look at Bill James and John Benson and Alex Patton and Peter Kreutzer and. Uh, the, the very first of uh, the chapter on the very first labor league and uh, how we created tout wars and first pitch Arizona's in there. And uh, the first time we got to really know Todd Zola could uh, handle a crowd at that, a first pitch forum in Boston, which uh, kind of blew uh, me and Rick Wilton away. Um, so um, 
yeah, it's uh, it was a fun book to write. Uh, in fact, I am in negotiations with a publisher right now, and hopefully we'll be able to lock that down and have that out sooner rather than later. But uh, yeah, you can look forward to that too. Excellent. No, I'm very, very excited about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned the forecaster. It's, this is the calm before, well, oh man, this is the wrong time for this expression. The calm before the storm. <laughs> as, as it goes, as it, as it go, this, this is my kind of off week as well. I mean, I, it, it's, it's projection time sooner than later. Um, but you guys, I mean, you probably in between four, four uh, first pitch discussions, I assume you're already laying out the plans, you know, who's doing what for the forecaster. You've already oh, sure. got the cover. Yep. Cover's done. Um, yeah. With our meetings now are weekly. Uh, and we talk about the progress for the book and uh, we've signed out all the, uh, the writers are going to be do the player commentaries. We're, we're assembling the research articles. Uh, my task every year is putting together and updating the encyclopedia part of the book as well as writing the introduction. So um, yeah, things are have been well underway with the book now for almost a month already. So uh, yeah, busy time what, of year for us all. What number of year is it? 30, let me see, 37, I think. Yeah, 37. <laughs> I should know that because it it's the same number of years I've been married, but one or the other, I, uh, I you forget. know that You know that... <laughs> This thing, people listen to this. We're not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't, if they don't hear it directly, they can get a text or something. I think my wife actually will be listening to this after we're done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I'll give a final thanks to Sarah, our sponsor, and again thank Ron, and again glad that you're uh, safe and sound, yep. and goodwill to good wishes to the everybody else that's dealing with a little bit more right now, and uh, tomorrow I guess it'll be me that's back with Clay Link. Can't say two start starters though, because there's not there's no two starts next week. Uh, but I'm sure Clay and I will find something to talk about. Uh, thanks everybody, and uh, good luck taking it on home. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.